Section 5 of On Benefits. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shreya Sethi. On Benefits by Seneca. Translated by Aubrey Stewart. Book 2, Chapters 18 to 25. Some men not only give but even receive benefit haughtily, a mistake into which we ought not to fall. For now let us cross over to the other side of the subject and consider how men should behave when they receive benefits. Every function which is performed by two persons makes equal demands upon both. After you have considered what a father ought to be, you will perceive that there remains an equal task, that of considering what a son ought to be. A husband has certain duties but those of a wife are no less important. Each of these give and take equally and each require a similar rule of life, which, as Hecaton observes, is hard to follow. Indeed, it is difficult for us to attain to virtue or even to anything that comes near virtue, for we ought not only to act virtuously, but to do so upon principle. We ought to follow this guide throughout our lives and to do everything great and small according to its dictates. According as virtue prompts us, we ought both to give and to receive. Now she will declare at the outset that we ought not to receive benefits from every man. From whom then ought we to receive them? To answer you briefly, I should say from those to whom we have given them. Let us consider whether we ought not to be even more careful in choosing to whom we should owe than to whom we should give. For even supposing that no unpleasantness should result, and very much always does, still it is a great misery to be indebted to a man to whom you do not wish to be under an obligation, whereas it is most delightful to receive a benefit from whom you can love even after he has wronged you. And when the pleasure which you feel in his friendship is justified by the grounds on which it is based, nothing is more wretched for a modest and honourable man than to feel it to be his duty to love one whom it does not please him to love. I must constantly remind you that I do not speak of wise men who take pleasure in everything that is their duty, who have their feelings under command and are able to lay down whatever law they please to themselves and keep it, but that I speak of imperfect beings struggling to follow the right path, who often have trouble in bending their passions to their will. I must therefore choose the man from whom I will accept a benefit. Indeed, I ought to be more careful in the choice of my creditor for a benefit than for money. For I have only to pay the latter as much as I received of him, land when I have paid it I am free from all obligation, but to the other I must both repay more, and even when I have repaid his kindness, we must remain connected, for when I have paid my debt, I ought again to renew it, while our friendship endures unbroken. Thus as I ought not to make an unworthy man my friend, so I ought not to admit an unworthy man into that most holy bond of gratitude for benefits from which friendship arises. You reply, I cannot always say no. Sometimes I must receive a benefit even against my will. Suppose I were given something by a cruel and easily offended tyrant. Who would take it as an affront if his bounty was slighted? Am I not to accept it? Suppose it were offered by a pirate or a brigand or a king of the temper of a pirate or brigand. 
What ought I to do? Such a man is not a worthy object for me to owe benefit to. When I say you ought to choose, I accept this major and fear, which destroy all power of choice. If you are free, if it lies with you to decide whether you will or not, then you will turn over in your own mind whether you will take a gift from a man or not. But if your position makes it impossible for you to choose, then be assured that you do not receive a gift, you merely obey orders. No one incurs any obligation by receiving what it was not in his power to refuse. If you want to know whether I wish to take it, arrange matters so that I have the power of saying no. Yet suppose he gave you your life. It does not matter what the gift was unless it be given and received with goodwill. You are not my preserver because you have saved my life. Poison sometimes acts as a medicine, yet it is not on that account regarded as wholesome. Some things benefit us, but put us under no obligation. For instance, a man who intended to kill a tyrant cut with his sword a tumour from which he suffered. Yet the tyrant did not show him gratitude because by wounding him he has healed a disease which surgeons had feared to meddle with. You will see that the actual thing itself is not of much importance because it is not regarded as a benefit at all. If you do good when you intended to do evil, in such a case the benefit is done by chance, the man did harm. I have seen a lion in the amphitheatre who recognized one of the men who fought with wild beasts, who once had been his keeper and protected him against the attacks of the other animals. Are we then to say that this assistance of the brute was a benefit? By no means, because it did not intend to do it and did not do it with kindly intentions. You may class the lion and your tyrant together, each of them saved a man's life, yet neither conferred a benefit, because it is not a benefit to be forced to receive one, neither is it a benefit to be under an obligation to a man to whom we do not wish to be indebted. You must first give me personal freedom of decision and then your benefit. The question has been raised whether Marcus Brutus ought to have received his life from the hands of Julius Caesar, who, he had decided, ought to be put to death. As to the grounds upon which he put him to death, I shall discuss them elsewhere, for to my mind, though he was in other respects a great man, in this he seems to have been entirely wrong, and not to have followed the maxims of the Stoic philosophy. He must either have feared the name of king, although a state thrives best under a good king, or he must have hoped that liberty could exist in a state where some had so much to gain by reigning and others had so much to gain by becoming slaves. Or again, he must have supposed that it would be possible to restore the ancient constitution after all the ancient manners had been lost and that citizens could continue to possess equal rights or laws remain inviolate in a state in which he had seen so many thousands of men fighting to decide not whether they should be slaves or free, but which master they should serve. How forgetful he seems to have been both of human nature and of the history of his own country in supposing that when one despot was destroyed, another of the same temper would not take his place. Though after so many kings had perished by lightning and the sword, a Tarquin was found to reign. Yet Brutus did right in receiving his life from Caesar, 
though he was not bound thereby to regard caesar as his father yet it was by a wrong that caesar had come to be in a position to bestow this benefit a man does not save your life who does not kill you nor does he confer a benefit but merely gives you your discharge the discharge alluded to is that which was granted to the beaten one of a pair of gladiators when their duel was not to the death it seems to offer more opportunity for debate to consider what a captive ought to do if a man of abominable vices offers him a price of his ransom shall i permit myself to be saved by a wretch when safe what recompense can i make to him am i to live with an infamous person yet am i not to live with my preserver i will tell you my opinion i would accept money even from such a person if it were to save my life yet i would only accept it as a loan not as a benefit i would repay him the money and if i were able to preserve him from danger i would do so as for friendship which can only exist between equals i would not condescend to be such a man's friend nor would i regard him as my preserver but merely as a money-lender to whom i am only bound to repay what i borrowed from him a man may be a worthy person for me to receive a benefit from but it will hurt him to give it for this reason i will not receive it because he is ready to help me to his own prejudice or even danger suppose that he is willing to plead for me in court but by doing so will make the king his enemy i should be his enemy if when he is willing to risk himself for me if i were not to risk myself without him which moreover is easier for me to do as an instance of this hecaton calls the case of arcelaus silly and not to the purpose arcelaus he says refused to receive a large sum of money which was offered to him by a son lest the son should offend his penurious father what did he do deserving of praise in not receiving stolen goods in choosing not to receive them instead of returning them what proof of self-restraint is there in refusing to receive another man's property if you want an instance of magnanimity take the case of julius chrysinus whom caius caesar put to death merely on the ground that he was a better man than it suited a tyrant for any one to be this man when he was receiving subscriptions from many of his friends to cover his expenses in exhibiting public games would not receive a large sum which was sent him by fabius persicus and when he was blamed for rejecting it by those who think more of what is given than of who gives it he answered am i to accept a present from a man when i would not accept his offer to drink a glass of wine with him when a consular named rebellius a man of equally bad character sent a yet larger sum to grisinus and pressed him to receive it i must beg answered he that you will excuse me i did not take money from persicus either ought we to call this receiving presence or rather taking one's pick of the senate when we have decided to accept let us accept with cheerfulness showing pleasure and letting the giver see it so that he may at once receive some return for his goodness for as it is a good reason for rejoicing to see our friend happy it is a better one to have made him so let us therefore show how acceptable a gift is by loudly expressing our gratitude for it and let us do so not only in the hearing of the giver but everywhere he who receives a benefit with gratitude repays the first instalment of it 
there are some who only like to receive benefits privately they dislike having any witnesses and confidants some men we may believe have no good intentions as a giver is justified in dwelling upon those qualities of his gift which will please the receiver so a man when he receives should do so publicly you should not take from a man what you are ashamed to owe him some return thanks to one stealthily in a corner in a whisper this is not modesty but a kind of denying of the debt it is the part of an ungrateful man not to express his gratitude before witnesses some object to any accounts being kept between them and their benefactors and wish no brokers to be employed or witnesses to be called but merely to give their own signature to a receipt those men do the like who take care to let as few persons as possible know of the benefits which they have received they fear to receive them in public in order that their success may be attributed rather to their own talents than to the help of others they are very seldom to be found in attendance upon those to whom they owe their lives and their fortunes and thus while avoiding the imputation of servility they incur that of ingratitude some men speak in the most offensive terms of those to whom they owe most there are men whom it is safer to affront than to serve for their dislike leads them to assume the airs of persons who are not indebted to us although nothing more is expected of them than that they remember what they owe us refreshing their memory from time to time because no one can be grateful who forgets a kindness and he who remembers it by so doing provides his gratitude we ought neither to receive benefits with a fastidious air nor yet with a slavish humility for if a man does not care for a benefit when it is freshly bestowed a time at which all presents please us most what will he do when its first charms have gone off others receive with an air of disdain as much as to say i do not want it but as you wish it so very much i will allow you to give it to me others take benefits languidly and leave their giver in doubt as to whether they know that they have received them others barely open their lips in thanks and would be less offensive if they said nothing one ought to proportion one's thanks to the importance of the benefits received and to use the phrases you have laid more of us than you think under an obligation for every one likes to find his good actions extend further than he expected you do not know what it is that you have done for me but you ought to know how much more important it is than you imagine it is in itself an expression of gratitude to speak of oneself as overwhelmed by kindness or i shall never be able to thank you sufficiently but at any rate i will never cease to express everywhere my inability to thank you by nothing did furnius gain greater credit with augustus and make it easy for him to obtain anything else for which he might ask than by merely saying when at his request augustus pardoned his father for having taken antonius's side one wrong alone i have received at your hands caesar you have forced me to live and to die owing you a greater debt of gratitude than i can ever repay what can prove gratitude so well as that a man should never be satisfied should never even entertain the hope of making any adequate return for what he has received by these and similar expressions we must try to conceal our gratitude but to display it as clearly as possible no words need to be used if we only feel as we ought our thankfulness will be shown in our countenances he who intends to be grateful let him think how he shall repay a kindness while he is receiving it 
Chrysippus says that a man must watch for his opportunity and spring forward whenever it offers, like one who has entered for a race and who stands at the starting point waiting for the barriers to be thrown open, and even then he must use great exertions and great swiftness to catch the other who has a start of him. End of section 5 Recording by Shreya Sethi